Can you believe that it's February? I cannot. I cannot believe it. Normally, it feels like the first month of the year lasts forever, but it didn't feel like that. Do you this know what? Year. You know how it's like the joke every year is like January, like it 37th feels like seventh or something like yes. that. Yes. I, have that, that I haven't seen that meme yet this year. I have not seen that meme once. The and world is changing. It's because 2020 was such a long year. It feels like 2020, number 1,207. Do you catch yourself doing this? Something bad will happen or I'm feeling you know, just worn out and I go, man, 2020 is rough, it, it, but it's not 2020 anymore. I know. But 2020 has moved from a year to like a concept. <laughs> it's like, the, like we're still in the concept of 2020 but we're not in the year of 2020. I might be saying that as an excuse for five years. I do. Like, I'm tired. <laughs> when like, the 2024, you'll be like 2020. 2020. Kick my butt, man. That's because it's an idea. It's a concept now. It's not even a di- okay. time. It's not even a time of year anymore. Okay. Don't go philosophy on us, please. <laughs> so today we are interviewing Victoria from Infertility Unfiltered. And I was this many years old when I learned so much about donor egg and her journey i learned like five things it really is amazing she's our conversation with her was wonderful and i did it is i mean i feel like we've been around the infertility community for a long time but it's rare that i go i have never heard exactly me too so our conversation with victoria today was really powerful to me because i think there's so many different ways that we can go in the infertility community to grow our family and this is one area that i really did not know a lot about and i just love her education and her story is powerful Um, So here is our conversation with Victoria. Enjoy. Thank you, Victoria, for being on with us. We're really excited to have you on. Um, We are such a fan of yours. Um, We would just love to hear your story, an overview of your story and how you got to the place that you are at today. Yeah, totally. So I won't save you all the grueling details of how many IUIs and IVFs and all the things that we tried, Um, but essentially we like early on found out that I had endometriosis, my husband and I, um, and I actually didn't know I had it, even though I had a lot of the symptoms and I'm a huge advocate for like asking your doctor, if you feel like you have symptoms, like get checked because there's, you know, until now there really hasn't been a way to diagnose it without surgery. And Mm -hmm. now there's tests that you can sort of dictate, you know, whether you, and sometimes endometriosis is completely silent. And that's, Mine that's wasn't. A, I, very common, right? People go for years without knowing they have years. it. Yeah. Wow. Years. And it is it is a common reason for infertility. Endometriosis doesn't equal infertility. It's not always that like cut and dry. Right. But a lot of people that do have endometriosis will struggle um, with pregnancy. And so like even back in high school, college, like I had really painful periods that would last two weeks long. Wow. And wow. like I had to you know, skip school and eventually work and heavily medicate myself to just get through a period. Wow. And this is two weeks out of the month. So it's like half the month, half my life. Yeah. I'm bleeding. Right. You know? Right. Like crime scene blood. Sorry, Doug. That's no, okay. that's okay. Sorry, I'm, he- I'm here for now. it. Don't worry. <laughs> I figured, I figured. Um, but that's, but that's early too. I mean, high school feel that feels early, you know, to me. So high school, I remember like just having really bad cramps and then college is when it was really bad. Hmm. And then I just, I went to OBs. I talked to lots of different gynos and they all said, well, everyone has a different period. That's just how you're made up. Like, 
you just have to deal with it. I was just talking to my friend about that the other day because she was having some weird cramping and I'm like, you will call and they will say it's normal. Whatever it yep. is, they will say. Yep. It's like, when do they say it's not normal? Like when right. swords are coming out of your <laughs> vagina? Like when right. do they go like, okay, that's something to be concerned about. You know what I mean? Because I feel like there's just this whole scale of weird period things and everything is just normal. And when, when does it become abnormal or something is wrong? So hard. Well, and I think too, as a young woman, like, you don't really talk to your friends like, well, how long's your period? Like how, how bad are your cramps really? You know, like you don't, you don't have those conversations. Like this is a perfect example. Like literally, I think a year ago I was talking to my sister. I knew I had endometriosis. Like I've like, obviously a year ago, I knew everything. And I made a comment about like, uh, butt periods. And she was like, what? Like out of your butthole? I was like, yeah, that's not normal. <laughs> she was like, no, I'm pretty sure most people don't have their period out of their butt. Yeah, no, I've, that's the, this is the first time I'm hearing this. Right. But I just thought that's what it is. Right. Like, you know, literally like 30, like 40, I was 40 years old wow. <laughs> and I learned yeah. that that wasn't normal. Wow. And so I like, and again, it's just because you don't talk about it. Yeah. The lack of education is just not, it's just not there. We yeah, don't right. talk about it. Right. Right. So that's why I am loud about it. Cause I'm like young, old, single, married, like you need to know. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Okay. So, so when did you get diagnosed with endometriosis? How old were you? So I got diagnosed, I want to say I was 31 ish, maybe 32. Okay. Um, Cause we got married at 29 and started trying and nothing ever happened. And I had never had any scares or any of that stuff. Um, and we actually, before I found out I had endo, I had tried several IUIs and, Mm. um, an IVF retrieval and I had two eggs and they only got one retrieved and Mm. it didn't fertilize. And Mm. so the doctor was kind of like, something's up here. You know, you're, you're 32 at 33. I forget how old I was. You should have more follicles. Like my levels were really bad. Mm. FSH, AMH, all that. Um, and so then they went in and saw that it, it like went rampant, like wow. had just gone crazy on my eggs. And, um, what did that moment, so, what did that moment feel like? Uh, did it feel like, did you bring in the whole breadth of like, Oh my gosh, I have infertility. I'm dealing with infertility. I'm not gonna have kids or, or was it kind of just another step for you? Um, you know, that's funny. I think, I think it was both. I think it was like, Oh my God, this could be, really bad for us. But then also like, Oh, but IVF, we'll figure it out. Like they'll just give me more medicine, you know, or I'll take more shots or whatever. And because my first doctor was very like, almost like, I call it toxic hope, like almost too. Don't worry positive. It's going to happen. We'll get get this figured out. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was just like, all right, well, what do we do then? You know? Right. So we tried and tried for, for more eggs and that just wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. And, um, I started researching donor eggs. My doctor hadn't talked to me about it. My, I never even talked to my husband. I just started, I'm just like, well, this isn't going to work. I got to figure out something else. Right. So I'd already done some research. And back then, there wasn't really Instagram friends or right. any of it. I know. Same with me. Same with that. When we I was through, alone, was no alone. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Now so, it's like, it's still isolating to struggle with infertility now, but there is, there's so much more of a community and so much more of a world. And we struggled not that long ago. It's not like we struggled 35 years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like right. I mean, so much has changed. I'm so grateful for that for people. I totally agree. And I like, 
until Instagram and I came out with my blog and all that, I had never met one other person that had even heard of donor eggs, let alone tried it. Right, right. Wow. So I had my doctor and that was it. That was the only person I was able to talk to about it. Hmm. And um, my husband at first was like, no way. Like we would never do that. I want my baby to be your baby, you know, and I'm just like, but it will be my baby. What do you mean? Like I'm carrying the child, you know? Right. And so I speak out a lot about epigenetics, which are you familiar with? No, I was going to say, what is that? I know a little bit about that, but from a completely different reason. (laughs) Right. There's a lot of different reasons that you would know about it. One of them is like the way your environment shapes your outcome or your genetics essentially. Mm. So this can happen in utero and also just in your household. Like right. you guys we, have epigenetic control of your ch- over your children because of the environments like you're placing them Nature in. and nurture kind of thing. And we know exactly. we know yeah. a little bit about that because of some of the trauma work that we do. And that trauma and mm. the nature in which your first kind of five years, how traumatic it is, actually does change your physiology. It's not just this, oh, it's now I have these bad habits. There's you know parts where that you know you've actually changed your physiology, which is pretty crazy. So yeah, you're you're in th- these environments do change you. Yes, it's it's fascinating. I actually just met a scientist who that his whole career has been to study this, which wow. I can't believe. It took me years to find this man, and he's actually doing a session. Oh, um, great! A weekend session on this. T- it sold out in two hours, like because people just <laughs> yeah. it is not talked about enough because it's controversial. You know, right. one there's right. not there's not enough proof, and then also goes against everything that women who are using surrogacy are told. Right. Mm. And there's this whole business built around uh, around surrogacy. So with egg donors, they're kind of telling you that their therapists are kind of using the same story. Like you're just an oven. Right. Mm. You're baking someone else's cookies, you know, Mm. and it's like you're not just an oven. You're the mother. Right. Right. Like and you actually do have influence over the genetics of your child because you're sharing a bloodstream. Right. 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 So explain explain more about that. So people might be wondering, what do you epigenetics? What do you mean? So if you've uh, using an egg donor, how does that affect? What's that relationship? I'll give you a a really simple example, a light switch. So genes, there's so many genes, right? And actually I think as humans, we all share like 99%. Like it's crazy. All the different like, genes that we actually share as humans and even with some animals we share hmm. but that other like one or two percent <clears throat> comes from like the egg and the sperm right so the egg and the sperm come together they're placed inside a womb which is then brought to life by the placenta the bloodstream etc my womb was dictating which genes got turned on like which light switches got turned on okay wow so my body said widow's peak my body said long legs, right? Like wow. things like that. Um, and it's interesting because like widow's peak, I use that example a lot yeah. because my daughter has a very strong one and it's a very strong trait in my family. Mm. Huh. My husband's family doesn't like, he has no history of widow's peak. The donor yeah. I've been through every picture of her mom, her family, no, no widow's peaks wow. to be seen. That's amazing. And my daughter has a very strong one too, just like I do. And she also has long legs, which is a big, like a trait in my family and my, and the donor did not, my husband does not. So. Right. Wow. wow. It's I like did not know that. Yeah, what was like that? The environment of your womb is almost, uh, 
yeah, choosing which things to let in, which things not to let in, and, and almost like, yeah, wow. I mean, for like probably the worst way of explaining it, like you're wearing off on her in like like a yeah. genetic way. Is that is that <laughs> yeah. the right even yeah. even right to say? I don't know. I think I kind of like that. Yeah, I'm wearing it. Yeah, because yeah. I still wear off on her every day. <laughs> Me too, with my. Um, <laughs> so true. But wow. I, there was another woman who explained it, a doctor who has also studied this in the UK, and she said it's the seed that you plant in the soil, but it's the soil that makes the flower grow, right? Mm. You've got to keep watering it. Like you can't just, you can't just put a seed in the ground and expect it to grow. It's the water in the soil that help it grow. And this isn't to discredit the genetic part because that's important, right? But I think nature and nurture exist together. It's not, in my opinion, it's not versus, right? It's, they exist together for a reason. They're both important. And I think there's always been this importance over genetics versus the nurture side. But I, you know, I'm just, I I think that we just need to all define these terminologies and and what they are, because I get so many women are like, well, who's the biological mother? Mm -hmm. Some scientists believe I am because I gave her everything she needed through biology, you know, whereas she's not my genetic child. She's my biological child. And that's complicated, right? Oh, that's Very true. Complicated. That is complicated. But, like, but that that's more, the way you said it is more accurate. Right? Yeah. Right. No one is on the same, same wavelength about any of right. this. All the therapists, everyone's using different terminology. Yeah. It's like, can we all just define it and agree because it's not fair to the child? Like they, yeah. we all need to know what this all means, you right. know? It makes me think of wine, you know, like wine. There's only a certain variety of grapes that grow in the world. Um, but the soil and the conditions in which they grow actually create some of the best wines in the world. You know, it's like, oh, that's a Bordeaux grape or, or whatever. I love that, Doug. <laughs> I know, Doug. But this it, is but, what he does. But it growing on that certain side of the mountain at a certain time, it's like, well, 2015, we all know that wine because... The, because of really not the grape, because of what was going on in the earth. The rain. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I'm stealing that. I'll tag you. I'll quote <laughs> you. Steal, but I'm steal away. Yeah. Steal it. Because the thing is, like, the end of the day, if Florence's embryo, the same mm-hmm. embryo that was used to create her, was placed in the donor egg, the donor's womb, yeah. it wouldn't be Florence. Right. It wouldn't be yeah. the same Florence. Right. Right. Yeah. right. And, so yeah. three people actually did make a human. And this is like... That's a miracle. That's amazing. That like hurts my brain. Right? Like, it's amazing like, though. It's amazing. That's insane. That's yeah. just so, and I've never, I've, I am completely learning from you. I have, I had no idea that that Most was people don't. until just now. Like I was this many years old when I figured, when I found that out. <laughs> you know Do you mean? think that would cause more people to consider egg donation as a possibility? Um, again, I want to, cause we've adopted our kids and they feel very much so like our kids, yeah. but I think that idea of like, well, I'm, part of the process like my genetics are part of this would even be something that would make me people maybe make them feel a little more comfortable considering egg donation 100 percent. that's what got me comfortable in the beginning because i was like oh and here let me tell you this story because this changed my whole perspective my doctor although i ended up we had a donor that failed that's another part of my story we had to we moved doctors and got a new donor and i was way too attached to my first owner because she looked like she could be my twin. And I had this whole, that was another grief that I had to, Mm -hmm. I realized through that process, I was, I was trying 
trying to fake the system by picking someone who looked exactly like me Right. when I realized they're not actually my genetics. So I need to just find someone who's fertile. And I did. And that's how I got Florence. But I did the same thing with adoption. That first doctor was huge on epigenetics. And I, and I still like, I'm so grateful for teachings that she gave me, but she gave me a real life example and she had several of them. There was a a couple that came in and the, the mother was red hair, um, pointy nose, freckles, green eyes, very Irish. And the husband was brown skin. He, I want to say either Indian or I don't know, maybe Italian, something very dark skin, black. Well, their donor was blue eyes, fair skin, um, or no olive skin and, um, blonde hair. Right. And her whole family was very similar. They had three children all three of them had red hair, pointy nose, freckles. Wow. Like explain that. Yes. That makes no sense. Yeah. Wow. And if I'm being really honest, I wonder if this would have, not that we would change anything with our future, but you were very against all that. I'm sorry to be throwing you under the bus. Yeah, no, no, it's <laughs> but true. Yeah. I remember yeah. sitting down and we, we were so open to adoption and wanted to adopt. So it was an easier, I quote unquote transition for us. And it was kind of like more of like a no brainer, but, um, I remember you were like, I am not interested in donor, all that. And I wonder having this education, if that would have yeah, helped your mind. Not that I think we would do anything different. I love our story and I love our outcome, but just thinking back, I remember you being very closed off to that idea. Totally. It makes me think I was even closed off to the idea of IVF at first because it just all felt like, um, for lack of a better way of talking about it, it just felt like witchcraft. Like, I don't know that's too complicated. There's so many things going on, but the more I learned about it, it's like, well, that makes so much sense. How was I just so ignorant to the way like our bodies work and like the scientific process of like actually an egg and planting into an embryo, like making an embryo and all that. I just didn't know any of it, but even hearing this makes me go, wow, there's still so much to learn because I would have been so much more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you'd have known that maybe some of me would have been, you know, yeah, in that, that's yeah. interesting. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. So it's, she, so Florence has a piece of me and she has a piece of her dad and a piece yeah. of a donor. And we talk yeah. about the donor all the time. We call right. her her egg angel. Oh. We show her picture. She's in the baby book. Like we just literally like two nights ago, she was like, mama, I have my own donor, you know? And I was like, your own yeah. donor. And she's like, yeah. And I have my own mama. You know, and it's just, yeah. she's two and like, right. she's figuring these things out because we're talking in kids books and telling little stories. And, and I love um, that you do that at such a young age because we were given that advice when we started to adopt, like, don't just do the 13 years old. I mean, obviously with us, our son looks nothing like <laughs> us. So it'd be very obvious, but, but in, in a situation that you don't, um, you know, to talk about that when they're young, I think that is so important and people don't want to do that because they're like, Oh, you know, let's just like shelter them from that a little bit. And I just love that you are so open with your story. And the greatest piece of advice that we got from one of our adoption things that I feel like is, is, um, for this, for you too, is that practice when they're young talking about it, because if you screw up, and you're like, hmm, really I not like how that came out. <laughs> They're young. They don't know. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And it's getting you comfortable yeah. with that sort of language. And our son, too, is the same thing. Like, he talks about his birth mom all the time. He talks about his birth yeah. dad all the time. He's just so comfortable. He talks about infertility all the time, which is <laughs> interesting. But um, Train him young. I like but it. Train him young. And I think that's so great because I think that's the opposite of the way some people either are brought up well, or... Well, in the donor eggs, it was, it's always until, I don't know, 
the last, let's say five, 10 years, it's always been very like, they would tell parents, you don't need to tell your kids, like, keep it a secret. Don't tell them. And so we've got a lot of angry adults that are donor conceived. They were not told. And the parents were probably doing the best they could. And they thought that's, they were doing the right thing because that's what the doctors and therapists were telling them. And so now a lot of people are afraid to use donor egg or donor sperm because they see these angry adults. When I, when, when I understand the majority of the angry ones were lied to, and that's why they're angry. Right. right? Exactly. Can you imagine? But I always compare it to like kids from gay families. You don't hear a lot of angry kids that had two moms, right? right. Or two dads, but they, cause they knew their whole life they were donor conceived. Right. 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 Right, exactly. Yeah, it makes me. They're think- not mad at their parent. Right. I was just say they're not mad at their parents for yeah. wanting to have a baby because they couldn't together. Right. right. It's it's not really that different, right. in my opinion. Yeah, I totally could see that. Right. Um, how did it feel having a donor egg inside of you? I know you kind of touched on it, but like, how did that feel? How was that emotionally? Like, mm. you know, your belly it's thinking crazy. about your belly, like- pregnancy, all that. Yeah, no, I like leading up, I had all, all those fears, like, what's it going to feel like? Am I going to bond? Am I going to connect to the baby? Like, what if I want to reject it? Like, I had all these worries. But literally the day I had my transfer, I mean, I believed I was pregnant. And I was just like, that's my baby. Like, there was ever since that day, there was no looking back. Of course, there's triggers. There's lots of tr- triggers in my life still today. I mean, we go to Target and people look at us funny. Um, I know how that but, feels. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I get you. I got and you. I know you do. Um, or just little things. Like I took my my daughter to the doctor. She was having some GI problems. And I had to fill out the medical form about her grandparents, you know? Mm. And I don't know her, like, genetic grandparent. And I don't even want to use parent as a word because they aren't involved in her life. And it made me sad for my parents. Like my parents deserve to be on that form. They love her more than anyone, right. but they don't get to, be, you right. know, and it's, and what's crazy is like, I'm telling my dad this and my dad has crazy GI problems. And he's like, maybe somehow she did get that for me. <laughs> you know? That's so cute. I love that. I know that feeling. But that was you're... a trigger for me. Cause yeah. I then had to explain that to this new doctor, everything, you know, like why I didn't know that information. And, you know, it's just. Yeah, that's Absolutely a, that's a frustrating situation where a simple question on a form that's kind of like has check boxes. You're like, yeah. I need a conversation. There's no, I don't know how to explain right. this to you. You know, I remember that same thing when we first got our son. It was like, they, you know, they were simple questions like, "Was there a history of asthma?" It's like, I don't. I mean, okay, how much time right. do you have? You know? Yeah. Like, can you sit right. down? Yeah. <laughs> I remember our our son when he came to us. His vaccination card was not well done, as in printed off, not well. Yeah, we had like a picture. Oh. Of we had a some picture of, of someone, and then when they took confusing. the picture, it was kind of oh, blurry. And so yeah. that was a moment when he was like, "So is he up to all data on his vaccinations?" And I was like, "I don't know. You tell me." By this, yeah, like, yeah. what do you think? <laughs> so I totally get that where it's like things that are, you know, typically normal for other people in a situation of adoption yep. and donor egg, you know, can be triggering or be like, oh my gosh, I have to go into so much more depth 
with this. And I think that's yeah. why it's also so important to talk to your kids about it. Because if Flo was seven yeah, years old- she's sitting there listening to me talk to the doctor. Yes, exactly. If, know? if Flo didn't know and she was seven years old and then the doctor comes in and goes, oh, you're having G and then you had to explain it to them. Like, that's why I think it's so right. important to have those conversations with your kids. Yeah, I feel Young. like ultimately they should never remember finding out this information, right? They should, it should, right. There shouldn't be this moment of like, I remember when, but exactly. I mean, it should just always have been. They Kinda always like, knew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've just been so honest and open. We like both cried when we watched the video oh, that you posted. Victoria. You're so Aww. open and vulnerable. I, I think a, a lot of people um, could learn from that. Not that they're going to be that open and vulnerable, but we would love to ask you, what brought you to a place where you're like, I'm just going to share everything and I'm going to be so open about it uh, because it's inspiring. And I think there's lessons that we could learn from you in that. Thank you. Thank you. It's not always easy either. Like I still question, am I doing the right thing here? You know, but I think, cause I definitely get some, I don't want to call them trolls. I don't know. Like people on Instagram that are really mean when yeah. I share things like that, I but I will say that 99.9% of them are saying you gave me a voice. You changed my life because of you. I'm pursuing donor eggs because of you. I'm now a mom. Oh. And that's what I focus my energy on because the other ones I'm just, because people shamed me. Like you should never have had your daughter there for that. Like how dare you expose her to that's that type crazy. of emotion that's and grief. Going back to what we were saying, it's a part of her story too. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And that was her sibling that we lost. And that right. was, that was, you know, and to be honest, we actually thought it was going to be positive. Mm. Do you think that we framed yeah. this video? Like, we're going to cry really hard in front of our daughter. It's going to be great. You know, right. like, like that was your intention this, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like this was Crazy. our moment of like, I had all these signs. Like I talked all about like the signs of Luna and all these things. And I actually believe like, this is, our, this is finally it, you know? And then we're, we got the results and you see in the video, my husband, like, okay. Like he tries to like break, pull himself back together. And mm -hmm. I had so many men message me like, your husband gave us a voice, you oh know, my gosh. like, gosh, that's good. so I'm just like that. That's, that's why, that's why I do this. Like, right. and for people, those people and for people that, that don't know, that was your last donor egg, right? You had two donor eggs. We had oh. three total. The first one was Florence. And then we had two more that we both, we tried both of them last year and neither of them worked. Okay. Um, and that was our last one, and our last, last like one. genetic sibling for her. Right. Oh, that video is what, so powerful. What brought you to a place of, um, so you're sharing all of this, like you're living your story kind of in front of us, which is amazing. Um, it, was there a motivation that brought you to there? Did you, do you want to educate people? Do you want to give it a voice to people? Or was it like, I just want to be out there? So originally it was because I just needed to come out of the closet. Yeah. Completely honest. Yeah. It was my own personal, like, I just got to come out because I can't, I could not handle one more. When are you going to have kids question? Or, you know, like, why don't you have kids? Or do you not want kids? Like just daggers in my heart when right. I'm like trying so hard Right. that I was like, you know what? I'm not like, I'll tell a few people, but it's easier for me to write my feelings. Like 
I'm much better. At, and now I've gotten better at speaking about it. But for a while, I couldn't even speak it because my voice would shake and I'd lose it. Mm. So writing was my way of, of healing. I actually had a therapist that was like, maybe you should start writing. I don't think she intended for me to write for the whole world. I think she meant <laughs> journal, you know. Um, what happened? But I, I didn't even know if anyone would read it. I was yeah. just like, I'm just going to post this. I'm going to create a blog. And like, I don't even know what a blog is, but I'm going to create one. And I remember I, I shared it on Facebook the, the day I wrote it. And it was like, hi, I'm Victoria and I'm infertile. Mm. And I like mm. posted it. And I was like, <laughs> And I like sat back and paused and I just bing, 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 bing. Oh my God, me too. Like, yeah. what, what do you mean your life isn't perfect? This, right. oh my God, Victoria, like just, you know, and I was like, cut did, did people think my life was perfect? Mm. Ew, I don't want right. to be that person. Yeah. Right. You know? what, did, what, did so, it, what did it feel like when you, when you kind of like got it off your chest, it. came out of the closet, all those types of things, like when you released it, yeah. Did, did it feel cathartic? Did it, did, were you shocked by the response? Were you? It felt cathartic. It felt scary. Yeah. Like I felt like I was just standing naked in front of everyone. Um, but it felt so empowering. I was just like, I'm letting this shit go. I'm letting, I'm just getting it, yeah. you know, like I'm coming out. Like I hate to, you know, steal like the coming out of the closet, like lingo. Right. Um, but I, that's what it felt like. It's like, this is yeah. a part of me that I don't have to hide anymore. And that feels good, right. you know? And I love that you're, I love that you said like, I'm better with writing words. Cause I feel like some people that's really encouraging to me. Yeah. I feel like to encourage other people, like, I feel like I get questions of like, how did you start? How did you, you know, start talking about it? And for me, it was the opposite. I would tell anyone that would walked by me. Like if you told me, <laughs> why are you not having kids? I'd be like, well, it's because we can't have kids. Because Like I just was so okay with it or just not okay with it. I was, um, okay. Talking about it in, in, in person, but I love right. that that was your first step that you were like, it's not cause I don't think, I think I'm the rarity. I don't think that a lot of people you can are. do that. I think you are. Yeah. Which, is, which I'm not saying that I'm better or worse than anybody else. I'm just saying, I love that you were able to use your words. And I feel like that should encourage people that it's like, if you are uncomfortable even talking about it, that maybe writing is your first step. And maybe it is journaling. Maybe that can it's, turn maybe into it's something else. Song. Maybe it's through art. I mean, there's so many ways to express. Like there's a woman who came from our group who, um, hadn't come out yet, but she was a beautiful singer. And now she came out through like a song that I That's play so for our cool. group now. Like just it's, there's so many different ways that you can express the words, you know, but they don't have to all be spoken. Totally. I love that. Yeah, oh my it's gosh, just I'm so, going to need a, I need a copy of that song. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so encouraging to hear. <laughs> Cause I think the thing that we, we want for people so badly. And it, even well, the name of our podcast, Infertility Feelings Podcast, is the amount of feelings that go on. You know, for me, when we were going through it, and even now, and all these things, there's so much going on internally that I want my external world to to somewhat match my internal world, you know, that like yeah. there would be chaos and sadness and despair. And then, you know, you go to work or something and it's like, I'm doing great. It's like, this is this Mitch mismatch is really causing depression. Ang like for me, like yeah. a ton of anxiety. Um, it's just so encouraging to see you living it out. And I think we all could do, in our own way, yours was blogging in the beginning, but we all in our own way could really truly live out our external, our internal worlds more externally. I love that. Doug, you just always bring it home. Seriously, I don't know how you know it. Like the, the mismatching, like that I just know. resonates with me because that that is truly like I never yeah. until you just said that it clicks. Like true, that's true. Like I had I was faking it. Like I right. was like 
showing up to parties and family events and putting on the smile and then crying in my car. Like, totally. why? Exactly. You know? yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's not wrong to cry in your car, but it's, it's kind of the, it's the mismatch is the problem. That, and that's it how, it, for me, it showed itself in anxiety is I would be like, I'm cool. I'm great. I know what I'm doing in life. And then it would be an existential crisis of, oh, when are we going to get pregnant? Am I going to be a dad? And I, I was just panicking. So for yep. me, it came out. I was anxious all the time, all Same. the time, all the time. Same. Yeah. I had man, like major panic attacks in my closet where I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my husband would come in and be on the floor and like talking me through it because, right. and I, and now I realize, like in this moment that like, because it was, I couldn't get it out. Like I was mismatched. I love right. that term. Like, right. Yeah, totally. Like I remember walking into the salon because uh, I'm a hairdresser and walking into the salon and having that moment right before I opened the door, like where you're like, you know what I mean? Right. Like almost like preparing yourself. And I feel like that was a way of yeah. me of like, yeah, just, it, I'm like gearing up. It's like, I should just be able to go in there. Obviously you can't be bawling when you're cutting someone's bangs, but it's like, <laughs> cause that would be a tragedy, but please don't. yeah, please don't. But it's like, I feel like in that way, it was like, you, you know, were like showing. shoving it down. Yeah. I was, I, well, I was like preparing for battle. It's like, why am I preparing for battle to be around people? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that should be like, I'm having a hard day or yeah. whatever, or this is what's going on with me. I love that like image of like, you're these two different people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why we're yeah. so passionate about what we're doing is like using your community and using your people to, you know, not make it so mismatched. That's I don't think it should be every single person that you meet in the grocery store. Yeah, I remember no. not. Yeah, no. <laughs> but you're safe yeah. people and people yeah. that are around you, you know, really not being so different in two different worlds. In your house, you're one way and then in your community, you're another way. Right. It's hard though. Jesse, whenever you say safe people like that, I yeah. think is so, so crucial because you have to start with the safe, safe zone, you know, and find those people. And usually those people are the people that, have been through it totally because even like family members that love you the most like you know there's so many times like even my mom or my sister would say things to me that were really hurtful but they didn't mean it totally you know they were my safe people but the people that ended up being my most most safe people were the people that had been through it because they had empathy to the deepest level right right and we always say the safe people doesn't have to be your family Right. Because yeah, that's where you automatically go. Yeah, a lot of times it won't be. A lot of time it won't be because they're also really emotionally invested. That's what I've noticed too. Is exactly. like they are so emotionally invested and they are like almost projecting their sadness on you when it's like, when are you going to have a baby? Because I actually really right. want a baby because I really want to be an aunt or an uncle or a whatever or a grandma. Right. It's like, so I think that it's, it's twisted a little bit in a way of like, because they want a desire for themselves and they love you so much that they don't want to see you hurting. So they're yep. trying, they're going to try to fix it. Your mom is going to want to try to fix it. She's tried to fix your wounds since you were out of the womb. You know what I mean? So why would it stop? You know? And so I I think it's important to educate them. I was really big on like, I don't know if that's helpful for me. I would just say it because I'm just like that way, but which is really hard to do. But it's like, just, I don't know if that's necessarily helpful or I'm not really, I'm not really doing okay today or whatever and try to help them and guide them. Um, Anything that you would want to say to someone, let's say who's listening to this, that is thinking about egg donor, what would your advice be to them emotionally and practically? Emotionally, like don't rush it because I think like there's, you guys talk about grief all the time. Like there's, it's a different layer of grief, which you can identify with because you guys have adopted, Mm -hmm. but people, I think jump into donor eggs very quickly. Like I did, because it's just like, you're so focused on the pregnancy. You're like, Oh, well, if I just, this will be my fix and I'll just get pregnant and she'll look just like me. And so I'll just keep going, you know, 
And then later you're triggered by this immense grief of, you know, whether it's a comment someone makes or a form you have to fill out of the doctor or a question your child has, right? You have to like let that that part come and, and honor it. And there's layers to that. It's like your own personal grief of your genetics. It's grief for your family's genetics that your grandparents are going to have, your parents, their grandparents will have. Mm-hmm. Um, your husband or p- partner will then grieve. Like, I always thought, what does he have to grieve? Like, right. he has genetics, <laughs> he's good. He had a vision of having a baby with my genetics, right? So right. he also had to grieve that. So there's all these layers and you've got to like, let it come and feel it. Um, and I also think you're never going to fully grieve. Like I, my rule has always been 51%. Like if you can get right. more than half of the way there, you're in a good place. Right. But if you just totally ignore it, like you're good, it's going to hit you later. Yep. And it might hit you in a space that you don't want it to be like the doctor's office right, and you're just right. bawling right. uncontrollably and when you have to fill out that form. And your trauma and grief grows with you. You know, it's like I've, I've dealt with the fact that, you know, I have a donor egg situation now when I'm 38 or whatever, but when you're 54, there'll be a new situation and you'll have to grieve it then. So like it grows, yeah. it's like sadly, but you got to learn the skills now, but it grows with you because you're always experiencing new things. It's like, you got to grieve it yeah. in that situation. Right. Practically, yeah. what would be practical advice that you would give someone? Um, practical advice. Like someone's coming to you. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What would it be? Like, what would you say? Like, would you say go to the doctor? Like where I, I actually don't even know where is I it, would is do. It, is it something you can ask your fertility clinic about or yes yeah fertility clinics they usually have their own program either they work with agencies or some of them have donors that are like in-house so every that's what's complicated is every clinic does it differently okay there are there is a new site now um ghostork.com yeah we've heard of them we love them yeah i know i'm actually i've been talking to them um about helping them get more awareness because that's a, it's a tool I wish I had had way back when, cause it yeah. aggregates like they have like over 10,000 donors in their platform wow. and it aggregates all the clinics and the fees like all in one place. Wow, cause I great. can't tell you so many logins to different like sites and spreadsheets. And I'm trying to keep track of all these women and you know, where I found them. And so that sites, that's, you know, what I can see. Cause I went in and played around with it. It seems really great. Um, but there's a lot of different ways to do it. You could, you can actually buy frozen eggs or you can do a fresh cycle where you actually, obviously like there's a woman who comes in, she does her retrieval. Like it's, you know, wow. you're kind of sitting by as that all happens. Wow. Um, and a lot of women have success with frozen eggs, you know, they're, it's cheaper. Okay. Um, you know, it's a little bit less risk because like my first donor, she ended up being infertile. Like the day before retrieval, like her eggs poof disappeared. Whoa. And we didn't get that money back, you know? Right. So, um, how can we find you and tell um, us about the support groups that you run? Yeah. So I have, um, my personal like blog slash, you know, page, which is expecting anything, which started as a, a, you know, kind of pun on words, like expecting right back in the day before I knew if I could be ever expecting a child. Right. Um, and then my support group that I run, which is now all virtual because of COVID, which actually has been great, um, is infertility unfiltered. Um, and so we do a series based program where every six weeks, um, a new group of women come in and, 
from what we hear, people like that way because they're making friends for, they're sticking with the same women for six weeks. Whereas a lot of these programs, you kind of pop in, pop out, which is also good too. Right. Um, but women that like joined a year ago still meet every week because they have this strong bond of that, you know, group. I love that. So and cool. I love that we've been able to be a part of that. And we actually teach too. one of the weeks and it's so great. And I love what you say. Like, I just am like taking little tidbits of what you say, like making sure that they're connected and that they're in a Facebook group and they're connecting. And I love that because yeah. then you can send them off together instead of yeah exactly i, I tell them that. day one i'm like yeah. i pick a sorority president i'm like hey you <laughs> you start the group text you rally the troops you know like you hold these women together and they like i tell them if someone's fallen off you bring them back in like you haven't heard yeah. from them in a while check on them bring them back in you know i love so that great. love that love that well it's been in inspiring to hear your story and to talk to you and what you're doing for the infertility community going you know go, starting from where you started with just wanting to get your struggles off your chest to the amount that you're giving back now and the inspiration that you are. We're just grateful to talk to you and grateful to be on this journey with you. I couldn't agree more. I love you guys so much. Yes. And you've opened my eyes to fostering and adopting, which is something we're pursuing right now. Um, uh, yeah. Beginning stages, but I'm sure yeah. I'll be reaching back out to you for questions. Yes. Yes, thank you. Um, oh, one you. more thing I wanted to mention. So I did write a book. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Or ebook, I should say, um, that's available on my website. And it's called Why I'm Glad My Eggs Didn't Work. Um, There's so many donor egg books out there that are written by therapists, which are all have great, you know, information, but they're telling other people's stories. And some of it can be very scary. It's all great things that you need to face, like real yeah. stuff. But I wanted to write a book that gave people hope and showed them the beautiful side of this. I address the fears and the grief and all of that, but I I try to show people that it it can be a really amazing, magical, beautiful way to become a mother. So oh, that's an, I that, love that. That would be an amazing place to start if you're thinking about this. Yeah. Yes. Download the book. Find it <laughs> on our website. Find it and download it. <laughs> I love it. Thank you guys. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Well, hot damn. That was a great interview. That was really, really, really good. Victoria is such an inspiration to us and to so many. Her story is amazing. Yes. The, the, I never even understood the whole process of using donor eggs and what that means. Um, and she's really, I know there, it's probably been around for a long time, but she's, for me, like a pioneer in helping me understand and helping the community understand what that's like and how to do it. Yeah. I just, there were so many things that she said that I just really was like, wow, I had no idea. And I loved that. What, when she was talking about how, you know, she wrote down her story first to put it out in the world. I just yeah, love I like that. that. I love that because I know that I, I say in the interview, like I know that I was the minority where I would just tell anybody and everybody what was going on with me. Um, and not everyone can do that. Not a lot of people can do that. So I love that that was her kind of first step of putting it out there. And I just love that. Yeah, yeah. I love how she talked about how cathartic it was to share her story because uh, it's really unique. And I think we all could learn from that, that yeah. we all, it is cathartic to share our story. And uh, people are coming to us, maybe asking us questions and we want to, get it off our chest. But you know, maybe you're not like the person who's just going to go, well, sit down. Here's what I'm doing. I'm going to tell you everything. Maybe you're the person who writes a song. Maybe you're yeah. the person who paints it or who journals about it or who goes for long walks and just says it out into the world. But getting yeah. it out is really important. Yes. So important. And I love that. And I love what she's doing for our community. 
So thank you for listening to another episode of Infertility Feelings Podcast. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. It's going to be great. Oh, I can't wait for you to hear next week. It's going to be the best episode ever. Do you even know what we're talking about? Well, we got to come next week to find out. <laughs> I know what we're talking about. You come you know? It's going to be the best episode. But your best. ears are going to blow up. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> I hope not. Just wait. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. See you next week. Happy February, everybody. Happy February, everybody.